It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. Well, g'day and welcome once again to the Two Jacks listeners. Uh, we are on episode 62 now as we record this on the 22nd of February. Year of Our Lord 2024, um, where we look at all matters political and media in Australia and then have a good look around the world and what's going on there. And joining me, as per usual, all the way in Hong Kong in the middle of winter uh, is uh, Hong Kong Jack. G'day, mate. How are you? G'day. All good here. And what's going on in Honkers today? No, it's a little, just a little bit warmer. We're actually getting some humidity back. Okay. Yeah. All mm. right. Starting to warm up a bit. You're still yeah. wearing the black, so it's almost impossible to tell climate climate conditions <laughs> just from your attire. Yeah, well, it's always uh, you know fun. you are absorbing light. Yeah, uh, that way. I'm in the uh, I'm in the purple t-shirt today. So yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, you can re- be reliably informed that I am always in black. There you go. Uh, well, um, I've reverted to my Fitzroy North Carlton. You know. Um, uh, Young adulthood. Uh, the Blues are, are having a, a hit out against Geelong at the moment at uh, Princess Park, and uh, I, I know only the Cam Guthrie went down early in the game with what appears to be a fairly serious quad injury. Um, so that will be bad for the Cats. He's one of their prime movers. Um, uh, Jack, I just want to talk to you about this. Uh, I'm springing it on you a little bit. This is a story I'll be writing for the Australian tomorrow. Um, it relates to a $10 million tender uh, that will be announced at the end of this month, which, uh, with, where a presumably not-for-profit will provide counselling services for non-offending family members and friends uh, of child sexual abuse perpetrators, not, not victims, perpetrators. Uh, and um, uh, the the history of this is that um, uh, it's gone through three governments' hands now, the Turnbull government, the Morrison government, and now the Albanese government. It relates to the Royal Commission into Institutional uh, Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. Their recommendations um, were that a, a, some form of support be made available to the people who... Um, uh, spouses, um, uh, children of um, uh, child sex offenders. The problem in terms of, I mean, this is a long way, I think, from community expectation because as part of that whole implementation of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Royal Commission's recommendations, um, a lot of that has not gone well. The National Redress Scheme uh, is difficult for people to get through. There are often long delays. Sometimes people are found ineligible, and if they're found ineligible, they it's not just that they lose compensation or don't have access to compensation, um, but they lose um, all of the um, other areas of support, included, including counselling that's provided as part of the redress. So 
I've been speaking to a lot of victims who think this is most unfair. You might just want to address, Jack, how we go from a Royal Commission recommendation to finding substance in a $10 million program. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, you would have thought there are more important things to spend the allocation on than that. Just having spoken to... I mean, I, I, I've got some sympathy. I mean, I remember reading what was sort of a heartbreaking story of um, uh, Father Gerald Risdale's sisters, um, uh, elderly people, um, and they had no idea um, of what was happening. And he actually told them relatively early on just how extensive the problem was. And, and they, of course, thought they had a Catholic priest as a, as a brother and were quite proud of the fact. And they, it, was, it was horrible for them. Um, and I have a great deal of sympathy for some of the people who were in this situation who were just completely blameless. But I don't think that that ought to be a priority for how you spend the money that's being used to compensate victims of, um, of uh, institutional child sex abuse. Yeah, look, that's, that seems to be, I think, what the community would expect, that this is a... Um, in an ideal world, it might be necessary, but where there are great complications with primary victims, I guess the, the best we could say about the, the, the people you referred to, their Risdale's relatives, uh, uh, is that, um, uh, yes, they are bound to be subject to great trauma and, 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 uh, um, uh, and, and uh, all sorts of uh, perhaps psychological complications, but the difficulty is that victims themselves are finding life very difficult, uh, finding this national redress scheme very difficult to work their way through. Um, and it, yes, it seems to be an unusual priority. It is a, a case of, I, I think if we want to look at where the blame starts, it is when the Royal Commission handed down its report to the Attorney-General, um, uh, it was the days of the Turnbull government, and both Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten said that they would um, implement all the recommendations of the Royal Commission, and I suspect a lot of that was done um, without any real understanding of what those recommendations would lead to. Yeah, this, the Royal Commissioner isn't in the same position as a government. A government's got to allocate the resources where they're going to make the most benefit. So just because a royal commissioner decides something, it doesn't mean that a, a good government would agree with all of it. That's a mistake for governments to say, we will, we mm. will implement all the recommendations. Mm. It's good politics in the moment. In the moment, but it's, yeah. But it's not good government. It's not good government. And, and it surprises me that in the course of these three governments, no one has actually said, look, this is actually... This is a bad idea, um, uh, or, or this should not be a priority. Now, my understanding is that a that a funding allocation was made in twenty one twenty two of ten million ten point two million dollars uh, for this program. Uh, about a million dollars or more uh, was uh, was soaked up by what's loosely called research in order to basically figure out. The difference between the recommendations and how those recommendations could be implemented, and now we have uh, a tender which will be announced in February for the provision of those services. 
um, there is a group um, in Australia that does provide um, online and telephone support for um, uh, the uh, spouses of perpetrators, the uh, family members of, of perpetrators. It's called Partner Speak. Uh, I, I presume what they do is, is, is quite useful. Um, they have, I do know that they have online and uh, telephone counselling available to people. Uh, presumably, uh, it, well, it's a not, not for profit, but presumably uh, uh, staffed by a lot of volunteers or a few volunteers. Um, and um, at the end of the day, what they'd be doing is basically directing people to. Um, Yes, they can share their stories with people in similar situations, and that's that's good. Uh, <clears throat> I think that's that's beneficial. But but also they'll be directing people towards uh, government services that already exist. You know whether they be contact your GP and get some counselling, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to cause a stir or or not tomorrow. Um, uh, it remains to be seen, but certainly this is this is making victim groups, primary victims of child sexual abuse, regardless of their context, um, uh, very very unhappy, um, and uh, you, and that that would be the way. I mean, as I say, I, I think this is a long way from community expectations. Well, sometimes you've got to have the courage to say that we are recommending the key findings of a royal commission. But in practical administration of government, not all of them are suitable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do know in a second-hand sort of way that one of the commissioners, and I won't name that commissioner, has said that they are struggling with what's actually being realised mm. um, and that, uh, that it was perhaps not their intention. In the end, I think the recommendations, having a good look at them, um, Contain some sort of fairly airy fairy nonsense. Um, there is and uh, there is a, a funding allocation, or a, a, there has been f- funding made available for a support group for perpetrators or potential perpetrators, Jack. And I, in terms of prevention, I think that's actually a very good thing to do. I, I recall sitting in the Wood Royal Commission many years ago, um, uh, the Wood Royal Commission into uh, corruption within the New South Wales Police Force. Um, that focused on um, pedophiles, and uh, there was a pedophile, convicted pedophile, who gave testimony there. Who, in, a person in their mid thirties, he had, uh, he said, um, he'd been jailed. Um, he, while he was in jail, he underwent therapy, um, but his sentence uh, ended when uh, the therapy was incomplete. Uh, he left prison. He went from Sydney to Melbourne. He started hanging around time zones, places like that. He knew he was going to offend again, and he went looking for some form of support um, where he could talk to someone, but there wasn't anyone. He ended up ringing the police and saying, you know, I think I'm going to offend again, and the police couldn't do it. It's not their job. He said, well, the police just said, well, give us a call when you can, when when you do, after you do. Mm. So there is a a preventative element there, but this other thing there with the support group for families – and, and it's friends too, Jack. I mean, there's this sort of potentially large orbit of people around a convicted pedophile who, who will have access to these sorts of support services while some primary victims at least are not receiving the same support. And that, I think, is uh, well beyond 
um, well beyond community community expectations. You can't have government by royal commission recommendation. Very, very wise words, Jack. Um, uh, just briefly on a related matter, uh, Bishop Christopher Saunders, the Bishop of Broome, has been arrested and charged with uh, multiple child sex uh, child sex offences. Um, this is a, a long story. His charges are well overdue. Uh, it is alleged that he had over $3 million in five bank accounts, Jack, that he was running a bit of a, allegedly running a bit of a racket uh, uh, of providing grog into dry communities. Uh, there were uh, overtly some firearms offences. Um, he hasn't been charged with firearms offences, I noticed, but there were overtly there were potentially um, uh, firearms offences that could have been uh, taken this way. This was subject to a police uh, investigation two years uh, two years ago, they found, uh, shall we say, sexualized images of Indigenous youth, but they said we couldn't determine the age of them. If they were older than 16, no charges could be laid, and, and that investigation died. And then there was a, a subsequent investigation conducted by the Vatican themselves that led to Saunders um, actually being retired, but he's still living up in Broome. And uh, after a search... Of his uh, of his residence in Broome yesterday, he was taken away and charged and has been remanded in custody. It is a very interesting story. The charges are well overdue, of course. A very very interesting story, and I believe it has at least some um, relevance to uh, uh, to the situation in Ballarat. I think there was quite a bit of collusion. Bishop Ronald Mulkerns uh, celebrated his 80th birthday in Broome at the invitation of uh, Bishop Saunders. And uh, I have to ask, who goes to Broome on their 80th birthday? Um, it's a lovely place. <laughs> it is a lovely place. It's, it's, it's not a lot of octogenarians popping uh, into a popping onto a plane to go there, though, uh, and, and it suggests that uh, uh, there was a, a Saunders and, and Ridsdale, uh, sorry, Saunders and Mulkerns actually were seminarians together. Okay. Um, the um, yes, uh, if they're 80, old, eighty years old in room, they're normally doing the big lap with a caravan behind them. <laughs> yeah, well, not not so much at eighty, and and not with Mulkerns in ill health. It's a very strange thing, and uh, we might get some answers as these criminal charges unfold. Um, all right, moving on to other things now. Um, uh, the government. A Labor government must have felt a tremor up the spine, Jack, uh, with the arrival of, uh, uh, I believe, two boats now um, that have arrived on uh, the west coast of Australia. Um, and uh, is it uh, um, deja vu all over again, Jack? Um, well, <laughs> it's always a good news day for, I think, for the coalition when these sort of things happen. Not that there's really any difference in between the Labor policy and the coalition policy. They're both going to handle these the same way. They will both do boat turnbacks. They will both use offshore detention. Um, uh, the advantage for the coalition is that internally Labor's quite split on this, um, uh, and that kind of helps them. But um, this isn't the biggest problem with asylum seekers in Australia. The really big problem with asylum seekers in Australia is not the ones who arrive by boat. 
but it's the nearly, nearly 100,000 backlog cases of people who've arrived by planes and made claims for a protection visa. Um, and almost all of these are unmeritorious claims. They will be rejected. But because the backlog's so big, um, they, these people get four or five years of, uh, mm-hmm. of living in Australia and generally working in some way or form, um, uh, and, and that's why they're doing it. Yes, we talked about some of this, Jack, a bit of, bit of a hole in our asylum seeker where people arrive in this country seeking and seek protection orders. We know that uh, uh, an Albanian crime groups have manipulated that situation to allow mm. people to come into the country. Eventually, they are deported once they've exhausted all their legal avenues. Um, but in the but meantime- that might be five or six years. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, um, uh, and a bit longer. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and these guys know this. Um, they have the, uh, uh, the contrivance of, uh, of uh, migration, migration uh, advisors and lawyers, um, and uh, they get into all sorts of things. They, um, this Albanian group, they grow houses and then moving into cocaine traffic and Leases and knowing full well that eventually they'll be removed from the country, but it is their job to go in and basically establish a criminal enterprise. Yeah. Um, uh, Running an immigration system um, is is a bit like um, uh, owning a a, a Victorian era house. Um, uh, We've got some experience of that, my wife and I. Um, The roofing, uh, it's always leaking somewhere, um, uh, and you just got to keep an eye on where it's leaking and work out how to stop it. And that's how immigration works. You've just got to keep an eye on it and work out where the loophole is and close it. So we, t- we do focus on boats, boat arrivals, don't we, perhaps? Perhaps a little bit too much. Um, because well, 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 the- well there was, it was a big problem. You know, both governments have kind of worked out how to solve it. I mean, in fact, Australia's doing a better job of, of dealing with this problem than anywhere else in the world. Um, and, but um, at the same, look, I think at well, the end of the Gillard Rudd government, we're on track. That's a sort of pro rata basis for about 50,000 illegal arrivals by boat in the months of June and July before the election. So it wasn't 50,000 for the year, but it was, in fact, so if we divide that, it was four or 5,000 mm. illegal arrivals in each month of June and July. And there was a sense that, uh, certainly in the community, again talking about expectations, again uh, there was a there was a view that um, uh, that uh, that the government had lost control over immigration generally. Yeah, people will see this as a as a race question. It's not. It's really a law and order question. All around the world, a majority of people don't like the open borders because they want the orderliness and the rule of law to apply. Well, let's just run through the numbers, and and when I say boat people. Uh, people arriving by boat um, and make up a, 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 a very, very small fraction of this. Uh, there were 94,260 asylum seekers in Australia at the time of the election in 2022. Uh, the number has subsequently grown, uh, grown by 10,416 over the past 15 months. That's with, to the best of my memory, three boat arrivals, Jack. So yeah. a lot of people are arriving by plane, aren't they? And they're seek, seeking protection orders when they arrive. Yes. Or in the course of uh, in the course of their 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 
movements around Australia, they make application for protection that way. Um, yeah, it must be said that of those applicants, more than 90% are rejected. That, uh, that so. is, um, and, then, and then they will have a, a process in which to appeal that rejection, and that would yeah. have been in your day through the Refugee Review Tribunal, but now it, it falls under the banner of the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Yeah, well, it does at the moment uh, until that's abolished and, and replaced. Um, but, yeah, so it's they are coming from countries that you wouldn't normally expect people to be successful in making an application from, um, Malaysia included, and the Pacific Islands as well. Um, so, you know, there are ways to deal with this. The first thing you do is uh, is to um, take, or, take the, you know, as the Indonesians used to put it, take the sugar off the table. So the first thing to do is to, um, uh, um, process those applications on a uh, last-in, first-out basis. So the, do the recent ones straight away so that if you apply tomorrow, um, uh, you'll get your decision next month and the appeal will go through and it'll all be over in six months and you'll be gone. So once you start doing that, um, uh, you, 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 you slow down further applications because you remove the benefits. So it's a matter of getting through them as quickly as possible. Once yes, they yes, go, yes, one, but, but counter, just to understand the process, if they are rejected, and ninety-eight percent are uh, uh, through the through the Department of Immigration, then yes. they can appeal to the AAT. Yep, and then they can appeal to the courts beyond that. Yes, they can. Right, and that and that's where we get to our five or six years, isn't it? Yeah, and counterintuitively, the way to deal with that is to take the most recent applications and deal with them first so that if if make an application today, it's all going to be done and dusted within 11 months. So, okay? And once you start doing that, people don't bother to apply because there's no real benefit in it. There's no cost benefit in it. All right. Um, uh, over to the supermarkets now, Jack. Brad Banducci, Woolworths CEO. Bit of a disastrous interview uh, for Four Corners. Bit of a train wreck, and um, he's now fallen on his sword. I think he walks away with many millions of dollars in uh, salary and remuneration. Um, and uh, uh, this basically presages the uh, uh, the uh, the the competition inquiry into the conduct of the supermarkets. It does. I'm hearing some gossip that there is a bit of evidence of collusion, Jack. Uh, emails being shared between fairly senior management in both Woolworths and Coles. Um, that would be cartel behaviour. That would be extremely serious, wouldn't it? And then it becomes a question of what happens with that. And there's a bit of a uh, bit of argument in the media about that as to whether <coughs> the ACC should have powers to recommend or, or, or recommend to the federal court that the, 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 the say, Woolworths or Coles be broken up. Now, that's a, it's a tricky question. Well, this is something that uh, the uh, Nationals leader has pursued. Um, he, he wants um, legislation created, uh, well, what they call divestiture powers, where uh, the government, or through the Australian, sorry, not the government, but the, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, the ACCC, can basically start breaking up the supermarkets. I 
think that's, uh, you know, basically breaking up supermarket chains. I think that's a pretty bold move, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, I think, uh, them- I think Craig, Craig Emerson's response was pretty good. Um, uh, see, if we have to close half of the Woolworths and Coal stores, well, then we just have to hope someone else will take those stores over and open them up. <laughs> It's not quite right, is it? Um, Fells, uh, Alan Fells, the uh, former head of the ACCC, um, uh, is, that's right, isn't it? He was former head yes. of the ACCC and, uh, and he's held a number of other positions advising government. Uh, he said, it's not obvious that breaking up coals and woolies into smaller units would be regarded by court or by anyone as sensible there would be quite a loss of economies of scale, yes, and you would find that basic food services would be, uh, food availability would become a problem in Australia. I have to ask, Jack, David Littleproud, this is nonsense stuff. Is is he playing to the, is he he singing to the choir here um, in regional Australia or, or, or is he this, or is he really this stupid? Uh, or I just think he's playing politics with it, and it's not—it's not too bad politics. You know, people won't go into the weeds of this; they'll just say, "Well, he's sticking up for us against against the supermarkets." I mean, it's—it's it's not yes, bad. Yes, but politics. what he's what he's yes, when we sort of peel back what he's suggesting, an absolute disaster for regional Australia. But most voters won't peel that back. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Yeah, all right, uh, and of course, Banducci left. Jack, um, it was an odd interview. I don't know if you've seen it. The, the yeah, Four Corners um, uh, interview? The it was the sort, sort of interview that's going to be very good for the corporate media training industry in Australia <laughs> because um, do uh, not boards, do this. boards are going to be uh, instructing the uh, C-suite people, do not do this, get some training so you learn how not to do that. All right, I see you've, uh, you want to you want to strip the band-aid off this weeping sore in Australian in Australian culture Jack the great debate over whether we call uh, the deep fried snack a potato cake or a potato scallop New South Wales and I'm thinking north of the tweed tend to opt for the scallop uh, while in Victoria it has always been and will always be a potato cake. Uh, everywhere else by Victoria, it's the potato scallop, I think, is the, is, the, is the geographic demarcation. Yeah, what we're really talking about here is language and, and how uh, language can be provincialised, particularly around colloquialisms. So we, we get all this great pressure from overseas, particularly from the United States, to communicate in a particular way, internet-based sort of stuff, and we now talk about dudes and, and all that sort of stuff, which is, you know, American colloquialisms. Um, but we've got a long history of having colloquialisms within our own country that are bound by sort of provincialism or, or, or regional sort of rules. If you wanted to get a, a, a – have an understanding of that, you would go through um, uh, the various terms around the states and the capital cities for – a pair of swimming togs, Jack. The budgie smugglers, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, or even a meat, a meat-based snack for a kid's sandwich, a Strasbourg sandwich in, in Victoria and a Devon sandwich in, in, in South Australia. Well, I've got to pull you up there, Jack. got to pull you up there. Str- Strasbourg is a very different meat from uh, Devon. Uh, I don't know what goes into Devon. I don't think anybody <laughs> does. Uh, but uh, Strasbourg is an entirely different thing. It's, I think it's a... 
basically a Polish-based sausage, yeah. but it's got a little bit of a spice and a little bit of kick to it, quite a lot of fat in it. But the Devon, Devon is just your all-pink sort of thing. Um, um, and, uh, yes, it um, uh, might be sort of lips and various other bits of uh, uh, farm animals. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. But, yes, yeah, so that's just, this is how things arise. And so we were always going to have a bit of conflict over this stuff, all, all good fun, really. But uh, I actually walk into my fish and chip shop and every now and then, knowing that I'm talking to people who have got scallops, potato scallops on the, me- on the menu, and I will ask, actually ask mistakenly for potato cakes and they'll look at me blankly and then yeah. I've got scallops. Oh, yeah, okay. So um, you do fall for it a bit. Um, it's um, a little bit like the, the – if we are sticking the, the conversation to fish and chips um, – uh, the dim sim, of course, is a very Victorian um, creation, Jack. Uh, From Bendigo, I think, yes. Uh, I believe there was a – it relates to a, a Chinese uh, a Chinese fellow uh, who started the um, – who started uh, – who made this dim sim based on uh, based on uh, uh, dumplings and he created the dim sim rather than the dim sum and was selling them out of uh, food trucks. Um, Outside the footy grounds uh, in the VFL, Jack, in the old VFL days, and that's where it came from. They're about nineteen fifties, so I was appalled and uh, a little bit scared when I first got up to Sydney and walked in a fish and chip shop. And not only did I notice the steamer wasn't there for the for the lovely steamed dim sims, but I also noticed that when I did order a dim sim, some horrific thing filled with carrot came my way. And further, I actually went and got some dim sims in Perth one day, Jack, and they were the size of bloody footballs um, <laughs> and not nice, very very sort of batter heavy, uh, not nice at all. So, um, yes, the Vicks, the Vicks have definitely got the, um, got the wood on, uh, on, on the rest of the country in terms of fish and chip delivery. Um, just, just before we leave Australia, I think we can't let the – Prime Minister's engagement go without acknowledgement. Um, well, we've had a number some... of festivals uh, here, Jack. Are, are we are we due another one? What would be your advice if you pop your wedding planner's hat on? What would be your advice for Anthony Albanese's wedding? Should it be uh, an all-encompassing shindig, uh, a national public holiday, uh, thousands? Uh, thousands at the um, at the ceremony and the and the uh, and and the reception or the piss up afterwards, um, or should it be a modest affair? Milk it for all it's worth politically. I just love the the announcement. So, think there are dangers if he goes for the big the big uh, the big ten thousand ten thousand. Oh no, guests. no 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 no! Make it a, make it a modest affair, but a modest affair, but make sure it gets the maximum coverage. Um, and, and that's the way to do that. Um, he announced the you know, the engagement with with a tweet on 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 Valentine's Day. Uh, I presume he had spoken to his partner by that stage. Yeah, he had. The tweet was a photo of the pair of them with the caption above it. She said yes. That's and, right. And of yeah. course, it, and of course, immediately this produced a response on Twitter. At long last, Elbow's found a yes campaign he can win. Oh, I did see that too. Very cruel. And, of course, this all comes while Australia is in the midst of a form of hypnosis, a form of cultural hypnosis known as the Taylor Swift 
Aria Tour. I think I've got that right. Uh, Era Tour, I think. Era Tour, yeah, Era Tour. She, she's she, she, um, bits that I have read. I know some of her songs. I think she's a wonderful performer, wonderful, uh, wonderful songwriter, um, and she brings joy to a lot of people, and that's a wonderful thing in this world. Uh, just because I don't get the joy doesn't mean it doesn't exist or, or that I can deride it. So it's actually wonderful stuff. 96,000 people times three uh, at, at the G. Uh, Collingwood wouldn't get those numbers. Um, so uh, been, been, been an absolutely wonderful thing here. And, and it's chucking in, uh, just in Melbourne alone, $1.2 billion in spending um, uh, around the tour. Uh, a friend from here, American friend from here, was intending to, to, to be in Melbourne last week and Sydney this week, and he looked to book his usual hotels and it, uh, was horrified at the hotel prices in Melbourne last Ooh, week they and Sydney sharp. this week. Yeah, they would have been a bit ugly. Not, everybody, not everybody's a fan. Just to prove that earnestness is ingrained in the Schwartz media, the Saturday paper had this oh, take on I saw on. this, Jack. Read it, to, read it to me. I was just going to pull it up. Uh, the Swiss audience is overwhelmingly white women and girls. She exists in an apolitical world that refuses to engage with the social and political issues around her. If she does, the focus is squarely on the men who wronged her, you know, um, uh, that's all you need to know about the sports media, in my view. They are way too earnest. <laughs> well, Martin Pakul has whacked that up uh, there and gone, what is wrong with you people? Why can't you understand joy? And others, I mean, if, if you, you – I, I get that people would understand, oh, I, I feel joy. But when That's other bad. people feel joy and you don't, that is not – that is not – that is not something that – should be criticising. In fact, it's probably a way of saying you might yeah. be a bit of a sociopath um, <laughs> if you can't understand the, the the emotional responses of other people. The the, the other side of, of the of the Taylor Swift coin in terms of the people who have a bit of a go at her is the sort of American right because they see her and she is she's come out and said that she is uh, um, a uh, a supporter of Joe Biden. Uh, and this led to the rather weird conspiracy that you know the the Super Bowl was going to be was going to be uh, all uh, all sorted out. She's contributed, they claim, some four hundred million dollars to the NFL um, just by her turning up and supporting her boyfriend, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis um, Kelsey. Uh, what Kelsey. position does he play? It's a wonderful. Well, yeah. It's a wonderful meme. Where, yeah, uh, Kelsey. I don't know whether you saw the Super Bowl where he. Went and had an altercation with his coach, um, yeah. and someone, someone yeah, superimposed on that. Um, you've got to put me back in the game, uh, 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 otherwise she'll dump me and write a song about it. <laughs> I didn't see that one, but I did see there's a, the, the, the photo is of him just mm. roaring at his coach, and uh, and and someone had interposed uh, the the text for that was it. Have you heard of the sport called <laughs> rugby league? Uh, I, I, I just like the way the coach just just treated it like another day at the office. You know, one of my one of my players is. Well, he he, he actually did come. He's a, yeah. he's a passionate man. When we love him, um, uh, so two Super Bowl wins there, and the conspiracy proven. 
Donald Trump did have a bit of a go at Taylor, but it's Taylor Swift is not a person you yeah, you, he, you he, take on without knowing that you're going to lose a lot of a lot of a, let's say the under he, thirty he demographic. Back, I think he um, he tested the waters and decided that wasn't a good plan. Oh, he said he loved Kelsey and loved her boyfriend. Although he probably doesn't like me, he said in a in a truth. Um, I think they call him not a tweet, but a truth. Uh, and uh, and he also suggested that he had made Taylor quite a lot, a lot of money. And uh, and but she, he didn't go for it. Like, why why is she being un- so unkind to me? Yeah, not not too many people take Taylor Swift on. One, she's a billionaire, and they reckon she's made a billion on this era tour. You're quite right. Um, and um, so she's so she's a billionaire. So that's all. They're always pretty hard to take on at the best of times. And then she does have this supporter group. So if you are going to have a go at Taylor Swift, prepare yourself for a public relations nightmare that may go on for many, many years. Good to see. Just wonderful to see the crowd at the MCG. I haven't seen the, the, the footage from the, the, the Sydney shows. Well, I think that's this weekend anyway. Um, uh, but um, just, just everyone just having a wonderful time. Good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you, do you remember the Victoria Hotel? It's still there. Sort of a, sort of like a little, yeah. Mu- yeah. and, um, um, it, it, and a little bit of a little bit of shine to it too. Used to used to have a little bit of little bit of prestige. Yeah, but it was a sort of yeah. um, uh, mates who were playing country week cricket. They would go and put up for a week there. Yeah, it was, it was for country um, travellers. Yeah, uh, six hundred. Uh, while Taylor Swift was in town. Yeah, it's yeah, not that yeah, flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's that's, well, that's uh, on, a lazy that's, 1.2 That's billion. paying on the overs for the Victoria. I can tell you, six hundred bucks. <laughs> it is a little bit. It's a little bit steep. Now you would not want to uh, want to be going down if unless you were going to go and see uh, Tay Tay herself. Um, uh, uh, look, yes, if you're not for joy, it doesn't have to be your joy. If you're not for joy, then you're a pretty sad sort of person, mm. I reckon. And yeah, I mean, watch. From from one side, she's claimed to be too white um, and uh, and not the proper sort of feminist. Yeah. Um, to Murray Schwartz, adjust the dosage. Yeah, well, yes, maybe uh, your cultural writers need to have a bit of a look in the mirror too. Um, now, Jack, overseas, um, Ukraine. Um, uh, the uh, the funding has come now from the states, or will come from the states. That's been approved. It's got to go back to the house, doesn't it, to be yeah, approved and then signed off by uh, Joe, Grandpa. But uh, that seems to have uh, found some sort of political resolution there. Um, uh, the issue remains: Can the Ukrainians drive the Russians out of the east? I read some figures, Jack, in terms of um, munitions development. Just in terms of artillery shells alone, um, the Russians will have about – they have four times the manufacturing power. So that means that they will provide uh, four times the shells uh, to the battlefield than the Ukrainians can. So – we are still looking very much at, and I think some people sort of forget this. We are still, we are still looking at this huge um, military um, um, uh, 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 machine from Russia taking on a much smaller country. 
And I think if we sort of remind ourselves where we were in sort of March and April of of uh, of 2022, the invasion occurred in February 2022. W- most people were expecting Ukraine to be just overwhelmed within the space of weeks, if not uh, if not months. Uh, and they and they were successful in, um, but it's a different it's a different sort of game um, trying to push people back than it is to defend what you've got. Well, um, uh, we have Ohio Republican Senator J D Vance. Is he any relation to the former uh, uh, minister? Or, oh, sorry, uh, secretary. No, J D Vance is the guy um, who wrote uh, Hillbilly. Um, uh, and became that. I think he was. Uh, um, oh, okay. uh, he came from a brown um, and was in the services in some form and, and went back. And he sort of made a success out of his his history. Um, he's sort of not quite pro-Putin, but but thinks that what we're doing in Ukraine is a mistake. And this is a debate that's raging in Europe and in um, and in the United States. As to what's the way forward? Well, yeah, I, I get that, but I think we've got to get back to the original point. We go back to that February 2022 moment where a full-scale military invasion uh, occurred in Ukraine. Um, uh, cities were bombed, civilians were murdered. Um, um, uh, I, I remember, uh, I remember a case of a journalist running down, running down the road in Kiev, and watching a cruise missile just appear above his head, on its way to explode, uh, explode and cause mayhem. What do we do? Do we? How, how could you possibly negotiate, firstly, with Putin? I mean, we know from the uh, uh, from the Tucker Carlson interview, he thinks if we went back to the uh, there was a there was a negotiating points uh, were were first raised in in uh, in Turkey, uh, and he says that they should go back to that. But that all means that everything that they've taken in eastern Ukraine will remain with them, and and the Ukrainians themselves who were invaded upon, who have who have, who have suffered civilian casualties, straight out murder, war crimes. Will lose some of their territory. I just, don't, I just don't think you can negotiate on that basis. Um, I'm not saying you have, you should. Is the question is what do you do? Um, uh, you know, I don't think there's any realistic prospect of getting Crimea back. It was part of Ukraine for a while, um, uh, and, and perhaps there is of getting the rest of Eastern Ukraine back. Um, but to look at kind of what's possible, you know, what's our way forward? You know, um, are, are the Europeans, the Americans going to fund forever? What will they give them in terms of material? There needs to be a, a bit more of a plan than there is at the moment. Well, I think we've also got to look at what Putin's objectives are. And uh, if he if he moves into Ukraine, then probably Moldova's next. They hate the Poles. Um, th- there is that sense of a sort of domino theory in practice. Um, and that by funding um, uh, Ukraine's defence, um, uh, 
uh, either coming from NATO or the EU or the US, um, uh, that is a way of keeping their soldiers out of a conflict that, you know, <laughs> will be on their back doors at some point if Putin's so not this is stopped. A, this is and, a- and so this is, this is basically, I think it's lying in the sand time. And you say, well, this far and no further, and we are prepared, and we are prepared to go in a long haul yeah. here. We've got two years of war now, um, and uh, and we can probably outlast you. I mean, the Russians, as I said, it's a it's a major military machine, and they will be in for the long haul. But eventually, eventually, and this is the point, Jack, that it the problems for Putin will come not from Ukraine, not from NATO, not from the US. They will come from Russian women mourning their sons being brought home in body bags. And when you get enough of that, when you have enough of that, that's when things will change mm. in Russia. It, it just depends whether anyone's going to spend the money. Um, look, it's, it's a debate that's going so in, in, um, uh, and in the United States, uh, and it's got a long one yet. Now you've got some figures here, and I'll just, we'll just put them out for the readers here. Russia has suffered more than 300,000 casualties. That's deaths and serious injury. Uh, and these are according to US estimates. It has lost 3,000 tanks and 20 ships in the Black Sea. We were, you know, that one of the one of the one of the real positives from Ukraine's defence has been uh, its its work in the Black Sea, where Russia did have the ability to blockade um, trade and ships coming in and out. Of Ukraine, it, it, it can no longer do so. So that so there's that's a win. Um, and the Russians, again, according to US estimates, have spent more than two hundred billion on the war, and seen about a trillion in anticipated economic growth disappear. I mean, those are big, powerful things, um, Jack. The, um, the Soviet Union lost the war um, because they couldn't keep up with the American um, uh, and its new technology. Yeah. That's what I mean. Also, we have Russian elections next month, Jack. Won't be too many surprises there. We haven't really. Is is there a uh, betting market really on that? Mentioned. Yeah, I don't think you know, the bookies <laughs> will be all that interested in that. There'll be a couple of cardboard suited uh, nobodies come forward as opposition leader. Of course, the real opposition leader is uh, was Alexei Navalny, Jack, and he's died in custody. Um, uh, body seized for chemical analysis. Uh, the original reports were that he had died, uh, that he had uh, suffered uh, sudden death syndrome. Uh, we know that he's been tortured in custody um, and uh, subject to all sorts of mental anguish uh, while there. Um, uh, uh, the, the timing of his death um, and the timing of the election uh, I suspect that's not a lot of there's not a lot of coincidence there. No, there are there are there have been reports of about two hundred arrests in St Petersburg, and they would be the sort of crazy brave who came out who came out to sort of rally once they had heard the news. And meanwhile, elsewhere in Russia, particularly in Moscow, you've got people leaving bouquets of flowers, and being arrested, uh, and being manhandled and arrested for doing so. I know where Navalny had spoken, and it's. I suspect most Russians just sort of uh, keeping their heads down, and uh, but just despairing as to where they are in the world at the moment. Uh, another place of despair, Jack, 
is in Israel and the and the US is basically uh, uh, on. Well, there have been reports. I'm not sure where we're going with this, but the reports indicate Biden imminently is poised to declare a Palestinian state with with its capital in well, Jerusalem. Well, to declare US support for that, they can't declare. It. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Uh, so we we're sort of driving towards a two-state solution around the West Bank. Yeah. Uh, the difficulty with that is that the people who are pushing for a two-state solution uh, in the West um, uh, and not in the Middle East, there's, there's almost no one in the Middle East who's, who's really interested in a two-state Well, the states want that eventually. Um, uh, no one's really – the Israelis aren't really interested in the, and the Palestinians either, neither Fatah nor Hamas. Hamas, well, Hamas are actually opposed by policy, you know, through policy, are opposed to a two-state solution. Um, so this speaks to me the sort of, and, and it's not confirmed yet that, uh, that the, the Biden administration is going to, is going to push for uh, a Palestinian state based on the West Bank. Um, uh, uh, it's not confirmed as yet, but it would sort of indicate to me that Biden has political problems at home regarding this more so. This is perhaps more for domestic consumption than uh, than uh, the global yeah, consumption. Yeah, how to win Michigan, you mean? Yeah, that sort of thing, Jack, yes. Um, there are big problems for Biden and the left as there are with Labor and the left um, in uh, uh, the support for Israel. Um, and... Um, uh, you do have, well, let's leave the Australians aside, but you do have a large group of people who may not come forward to vote who would otherwise have voted for Biden, Jack, in the presidential elections. Yep. So maybe that's what that's all about. But uh, look, if sometimes politics is pre- unpredictable, it is, <laughs> it is getting very predictable in the United Kingdom, Jack. Couple of by elections, uh, won by Labor, twenty eight percent swing in Wellingborough. That's, I think, that's the biggest yet, uh, biggest recorded. Uh, and then, um, uh, well, there was one in nineteen. So it's the biggest. It's the biggest for thirty years. Uh, the swing to Labor in Kingswood in the by election there was sixteen point four percent. Oh, quick question: When do you think when do you think the Tories will go? I was talking to a mate of mine in London. He reckons October. Um, that seems most likely. There is one faint hope for the Tories. There was a a, a debacle in the House of Commons. Okay? Uh, the SNP, the Socialist National Party, uh, a motion uh, to be. You said socialist. I think you meant Scottish. Yeah, I say Scottish. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, uh, the um, uh, on on uh, an immediate ceasefire, um, and that was going to be a huge problem for Keir Starmer because he set out a position that's much more nuanced than that, um, and uh, he's he was facing a revolt from within the parliamentary party, people who were going to um, either vote against or abstain and vote against his. So in the end, he went and had a meeting with the Speaker, Coyle, um, uh, and um, had an alternative motion put up. Uh, now there are calls for the Speaker to resign. But a great deal of kerfuffle yesterday in 
Parliament, the Speaker's come out and apologised, and frankly, he's he'll probably hold on to his job be just, but that doesn't matter so much because um, most voters are not going to be looking at the weeds of what's in Parliament. But what it does show is that Labor has the problem you're identifying for Biden is it it is completely split um, uh, on the question of what you do about Gaza. And just split, it's split from the majority position because the majority of Brits support what's happening, what Israel are doing more or less, um, and are opposed to Hamas. But a majority of Labor have Different view, and that's always a risk as election. So yeah, I, I, I don't see it. Might not turn just don't see it. I mean, I just don't. I think there are so many domestic woes in the UK. We talked about the post office case in previous episodes, Jack. It is an outrageous uh, set of circumstances there, where uh, where people were locked up, um, uh, accused of terrible crimes, and just in a complete failure of government, and it just seem, they, they just seem to be, you know, without any hope. The Tories, we, we've talked about the polling. Labor's just nudging fifty percent, which is extraordinary in itself. And and the Tories are around about twenty two, I think. Yeah, Jack. Um, the, the, the real risk, some, though, some the, the only risk for Labor is that their support won't turn up. Yeah, I mean, I. I think the bigger threat was something you suggested before, that there might be some sort of Corbynite-style party that might steal votes from them. I think if enough people don't turn up, it's not going to change the mm. results. There won't be too many. There won't be too many rusted on Tories turning up. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't but have it is. It, it, so um, um, politics is different in the UK and the United States, where they don't have complete voting. Uh, you know, the, the, the turnout. Huge difference. Yes, it changes things. It does change polling, um, uh, and uh, polling is always a bit unscientific because of it. Um, where you do have compulsory voting, it's a lot easier to work out uh, work out polling responses and uh, and actual voting behaviour. Um, uh, over the, well, back in the states, we were with Biden before. Now Trump. He'd be a little bit lighter in the wallet. Uh, about three hundred and fifty. I think it's three hundred fifty six million. Um, plus a hundred million in interest. Um, his uh, two boys have been fined four million each. Um, Alan Weisenberg a million. He can't. Donald Trump can't conduct business in New York for two years. Um, and uh, where does he get? I mean, we we know he's a billionaire, or so we so we believe. Two and a half billion he's supposed to be worth. But even if you got two and a half billion in assets. Coming up with four hundred and nearly four hundred eighty million dollars in cash is going to be very, very difficult. We have to sell assets. Well, I looked at this, Jack, because we we did talk about how the bond system might work, Jack, and so I did have a bit of a look at this. Um, he would have to put assets to the tune of a, between one hundred and twenty-five and one hundred and fifty percent of that outstanding money. So he would have to put property to the value of around about $700 million up for a, a bond issuer to, 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 cover, to, cover, to cover the fines in the event of appeal. So he has two options. He can pay the fines and appeal, or he can, or he can pay these fines and appeal, or he can um, 
play, make bonds and appeal. And if he's going to make bonds, he's going to have to put $700 million worth of assets up for grabs in order to get it. Uh, well, easy. Um, you'd have to be have internal knowledge of their financial situation to know which is the better choice. And we, um, uh, you would have to appeal because I think you'd almost certainly succeed on appeal. I don't know about that. Um, I think uh, Justice uh, Ngoran has written a fairly comprehensive judgment that will be difficult to appeal against, Jack. Um, uh, I know people are saying, well, this was, you know, the banks weren't unhappy about it, Deutsche Bank wasn't unhappy about it and all that sort of stuff. He, <laughs> One of the things he did, he had a, had a property value of $200,000. Uh, that, that was its real value. And he's tried to pump it through a ten million dollars. Mara Lago, he valued at seven hundred million dollars. Jack uh, Ngoran uh, valued it at between eighteen and twenty-five million. Mm. And there are reasons for that, by the way. It, it's we could talk about the value of the land. It's on the water, and it's a substantial estate, etc. But it's not. As it stands, it's a country club. So Trump undertook this knowing full well that he would that he would be restricted in terms of what developments he could make to it. Um, and so you can't just sort of break it up, sell the sell the property, and and then somehow make seven hundred million dollars out of it. It really is because I looked at that initial valuation from Angora sort of at between eighteen and twenty five and thought, gee, that seems a bit light. It's not seven hundred million, but it. Is it, it, it's got to be a bit less than 18 or 25. But because it is classified as as a um, essentially a social club, um, uh, it, it's very limited in how it can be developed. Yeah, I don't think so. That's that's the reason for the low for the low well, valuation. My belief: two things. One, he would win on appeal, and two, and second, politically, I think this helps him rather than hinders him. Yeah, you keep saying that. The the the, um, uh, the other thing that has happened since we last spoke is that a trial date has now been set for the New York Matters. This is the slush fund matters uh, featuring uh, the evidence of Michael Cohen, his former uh, in-house uh, counsel. Um, and, uh, and, and so that trial will commence or jury selection is due to commence off the top of my head on March 25. Yep. Meanwhile, we've got the Fulton County case, and that's been a bit, uh, been a bit, been a bit perilous with uh, uh, the Fulton County District Attorney Farney Willis um, being uh, being questioned about her relationship with um, uh, with uh, one of the attorneys uh, attached to her uh, department. Uh, the, the the chap to 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 prosecute the case, yes. Yeah, I, I saw her give some some evidence there, and um, she was pretty feisty. Um, she said, "I'm not on trial here. The people who tried to steal the election are." Uh, but it is unwelcome uh, unwelcome attention around this particular trial, and we don't. I don't believe we have a date to start that one uh, as yet either. That's um, so. We've got the, the four count indictment. In DC, which has been pushed back, no date set for trial. We've got the um, the uh, the uh, uh, the classified documents matter being heard. It's a federal matter, but it's being heard in Miami. 
I think we've got a date there, Jack, in August when trials set to commence, uh, and we don't have a date on the uh, the Rico uh, Fulton County Georgia. The the only fixed date we have now, really, of, that's of any consequence is this what we what we would probably call the least um, uh, significant of his indictments, the New York slush fund stuff. Yeah. So so not going to be many trials. I mean. I think this this one is fairly minor league, really, and it's and it, it'll get to you know electoral laws and rather complex matters. It'll be difficult for a lot of the members of the public to understand. Other than Donald Trump's up in court again, and why is he in court, and is he being persecuted? Yada yada yada. Uh, um, and of course, if you go through them, uh, the, the the New York fraud case, uh, uh, you know, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General. Bought these cases, campaigned um, uh, for as Attorney General um, uh, on a problem of getting Donald Trump. The Fulton County thing, I don't think it, I don't think it matters whether whether Afani um, was having an affair with and Wade or not. What does matter is that they went to the White House. The pair of them went to the White House and consulted with the White House before they did it. Um, well, we don't know what happened there, Jack. Um, why else would we don't be know what was discussed? Well, I mean, you can you can talk. I mean, it, it, you cannot confirm whether it was discussed no, at all. Can no, you? but 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 the general public are going to say, as an obscure uh, official from the state of Georgia and her lawyer and and the prosecutor appointed to do this at the White House, and they're going to say what they are there for. So the politics of this, I think, are excellent for Trump. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I think we. Going over old ground here, with with particularly in, re, in relation to Biden, and 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 really what is, I suspect, a case of um, just um, uh, two old men running that that, that that don't inspire Middle America at all, and and the real risk there is it, it lies with the Democrats uh, and and Joe Biden. People cannot see. I don't think even. A great many Democrat voters would look at Joe Biden and say, "I cannot see how we get another four years out of this." Um, yeah, Democrats uh, think that. I think that's. I think the clear majority of the world think mm. that. Uh, I saw. I mean, it, I almost have to flip past when I see Biden speak because you just know he's going to make another little, little uh, error, another little misspeak, another little, and and it just he just does look. Frail and like he's barely struggling. So, how can the Democrats move him on, Jack? Uh, well, there are a number of ways. Too late for um, uh, someone to primary against him because I think the um, state's uh, primary uh, application is the nominations for those are closed. So, it's really to do it that way. Uh, the only way um, uh, is to is to get by. Yes, that's that's the tap on the shoulder. The tap on the shoulder, excuse me. That's a tap on the shoulder in or around the um, the Democratic National Convention. But it can't be after. It's got to before. be during, or just a, yeah, just a bit before that. And you think that will come from uh, Big Bad I Barry having a sit down with uh, Joe? I think it'll come from because Obama um, still retains a great hold on a lot of um, um, people who are classified as kind of. Biden supporters are there because of the supporters. 
within the machinery well, of the talk, Democratic Party. Let's talk about some issues that are going to affect um, that are going to affect this uh, this election. Regardless of who stands, we, we would expect Trump to be um, the Republican candidate. As let's presume that Biden is going to be um, uh, the the one to, uh, the the Democrat presidential candidate. One of the big issues, Jack, and and it's been um, well when we talk about Trump, we actually say, well, he's he lost twenty eighteen midterms, he lost twenty twenty. And then they went on and lost the 2022 midterms to a degree anyway. Um, and the, one of the major drivers of that is is the Roe v. Wade being overturned um, and, uh, and dragging a lot of uh, women voters out who might not otherwise cast a ballot. We've had huge participation rates. Obviously, there was a pandemic in 2020, but there were big participation rates for the midterms in 2018 and then even larger still in 2022. Um, so it is dragging a lot of people out. We hear from the New York Times that uh, Trump has told advisors and allies that he likes the idea of a 16-week national abortion ban with three exceptions in case of rape or incest or to save the life of the mother. This is stuff that he should not be talking about at all, in my view. If he wants to be president... He will leave this alone. I did see him, oh, and I forget, it was, a, it was about a month ago he was interviewed and he was crowing, as he does, about, you know, that the, the, the Supreme Court justices that he appointed delivered the overturn of what Roe v. Wade and he should accept all the credit for it. And you could just hear faces slapping or palms slapping faces from his own group who would have been saying, you just you cannot go anywhere near this. But there he was, and you could just see the campaign ad built around it um, from the Democrats. So I, 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 I just can't see how he can put this one to rest. If he, if he does propose a 16-week national abortion ban, which is a bloody disaster, by the way, um, uh, my views on this are pretty strongly held. This, these are... Uh, matters that should be between a, a doctor and, and a woman, and that's where, that's where it ends. The state shouldn't be intervening at all. But a 16-week national abortion ban just raises this whole thing. He may not lose any votes over it, but he may drag a great many people out who might otherwise not uh, the, be voting. The, A 16-week ban would get majority support in polling tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know where you get that from, Jack. Um, it I mean, is, you know, it, where, where's where's the support for that? Where's the evidence? No, no, uh, people are in people are in favour. This is not just the United States; it's the same in Western Europe. What he would be doing would be bringing the United States in line with Western Europe. All around the Western world, this is what people accept. Around about sixteen well, or twenty. They're not. They're, they're not they, these are not the rules in in place in Australia. No, these are not these are not the laws in place in Australia. And I think, you know, I mean, you may have a view on this. I don't know um, <coughs> whether that 16, whether that's something that you hold strongly, but it, it is just a piecemeal sort of arrangement. What we have in the United States, in states, big states like Texas, is total abortion bans, no exceptions, right? This is what's happening in the vacuum of Roe v. Wade. Uh, people's lives have been put at risk. Um, uh, uh, a great many unwanted children being born 
um, uh, criminalised abortion, uh, well, uh, 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 criminalising abortion in, in various states, including criminalising those who assist people to uh, travel into state to seek abortions. There are laws of laws like that in uh, some of the southern states. It's a complete and utter sort of return to medieval stuff. The, the basis of this should be is, is simple. Let a woman sort out her medical care with her doctor, and that's where it ends. That's this, The state really has no role in this. Um, that's my view. The, the, the and, 16 or 20 thing is not my idea. It's not what I believe, but it's what a majority of the people believe. I, I don't even know where you get that from, Jack. I don't even know where you get that from. There's no polling. There's no data. There's yes, nothing there around this to say, oh, well, well, well we think the bans are really bad and what's going on in Texas is really bad, but we would accept a sort of compromise yes. yep. about this. Yep. That's, ex- yeah. that's exactly what people think. It's exactly what people think in Western Europe. I, 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 I think you would find such a disparate response, such a, such a diverse response, um, that it's really just going to cause him more pain. Uh, <coughs> Donald Trump's advisors would shake him awake at whenever he gets up in the morning and say, do not mention abortion today. Donald, Donald, do we get that? No, don't mention abortion today because every time you do, you are dragging people out to vote against you. And that, and so, so I, I, I mean, I think probably it's even a bit of a mischievous sort of, Yarn from um, uh, from the New York Times, uh, but he has actually said, "Know what I like about 16? Oh, Jesus, Mr. Trump told one of his people, "It's even. It's four months. It's not four months, Jack, though, is it? Mm. It's not really four months <laughs> anyway. Yeah, mass is never his strong point. I just think the more abortion becomes an issue, and it will be an issue in this election." Uh, the, the 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 bigger chance is to Trump getting knocked off. One area where he does uh, have considerable strength is in the southern border, Jack. Um, he actually admitted in interview um, during the week that uh, that uh, the, the laws that were put before the Congress uh, were uh, were actually going to be effective. But that's his strength at the moment, isn't it? And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want the southern border issues resolved at all. Uh, in 2016, he was the only candidate on either side who who, who was prepared to do something uh, migration to say that they're rapists was, and they're drug dealers yeah. and they're Those some of them was, are very nice people. Yeah, not the not that he was what he was proposing necessarily going to work, uh, but he was the only one who took it seriously. People still remember that and look at the numbers and go, you know, it went from 400 and a half million um, and this is an absolute election winner for him. Um, meanwhile, Jack, the big driver in all uh, electoral politics is the state of the uh, state of the, of the economy and the economy is going pretty well. Yes, it is. Uh, people seem to think it is. That's an for that to change, but yeah. but at yeah. the moment, the, uh, the polling says that they don't think the economy is going well. They don't feel worse off is the, is the key thing. Um, now, whether that can be turned around between now and November, I don't know. Yes, but the economy is going pretty well. And generally speaking, if your economy is going pretty well, there are so many moving parts to the presidential election this year, uh, including Biden's age. 
and Trump's age too, for that matter, and intellectual frailty on both uh, parts. Um, uh, uh, it, it, it seems that you would think with a, with with uh, um, with the economy going pretty well, in the normal set of circumstances, you would expect Biden to be re-elected. But there are so many other moving parts to this; it's uh, it's hard to know where we're going to end up. Yeah, well, Nate Nate, Nate Silvers, the, the the pollster, said that he thinks Biden needs to do four tough interviews between in the next couple of months to <laughs> he's, he's fit to do it, um, and. The general response was, no, 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 you can't let him do that because that's not going to work. I don't think one, let alone four, uh, is going to really, is really going to do it. And and, and there are a lot lot of things you can fix in in politics uh, in a campaign, Um, but the problem with Joe's capacity and his age, that can't be fixed. It's not going away. Yeah, it it can't be fixed. And you put up a, a bright sparkling candidate and they're a bit thin on the ground admittedly um that person's going to be able to dance around donald trump fairly easily too he's got his own issues he said part of the problem is he's like hitler in one respect he just when he gives a speech it goes for hours so he's there's, there's always this and i see this sort of midas network and others who are sort of you know the sort of pro biden propagandists they focus on everything that you know. Every little misspeak, every little word that uh, uh, the name that he gets wrong, um, those sorts of things, and and they'll continue to work away on that. They're both old men, and, and the third party candidate who looks like a relative youngster, he he turns seventy before the next presidential election too. Bobby Kennedy Jr. The, 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 the advantage Trump's got is that Trump can get out there and talk for hours, and Joe probably can't. Uh, no, I think the, the more Joe talks, the worse it gets. Um, uh, briefly, Jack, we've got immigration protests. Uh, I think there were some protests in Ireland this week, uh, counter-protests as well uh, in Ireland. Uh, Netherlands, I think they passed the threshold, Jack, of um, uh, there are more um, foreign-born um, uh People living in Holland now than there are people born locally, people born in, born within the Netherlands. Um, so uh, those uh, people who are born in the Netherlands are now the minority. Uh, the person who told me that, I said, mate, have you spoken to the Dutch? Have you met the Dutch lately? Uh, it's probably going to be a good thing for their country. But um, but these things are causing pressures all over the place in Japan as well. Um, uh, sort of uh, very fiery Encounter protests in, in, in peaceful Japan. Yeah, it's, it, this uh, this thing is not going to go away. Uh, look, you're right. I mean, <laughs> if you're talking about things that are not going to go, they're not going. We 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 almost kicked off the program um, with refugees in Australia, um, and that hot that's been going for thirty. That that those sort of social pressures have been for three decades, going back to the Keating. Hmm. So yeah, there's 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 very little, very very little give in these things at all. Um, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so the Garda was involved. There was a there was a oh look, this is about three weeks ago. It must be said. So I won't, I won't get into it too much. But there are 
Um, there are people out there going yes, uh, yes to yes to internationalism, and there are people saying no to no to immigration. Uh, F off, we're full uh, in Australian speaking islands. So these are social pressures, social and political uh, pressures. And even in Japan, even in Japan, yes, it's it's third ago this year since took an appointment to the um, refugee and. and uh, I quickly learned that if people asked you what you did and you said that, everybody had an opinion on what we should do, Jack. Oh, we can go down the libertarian route, Jack, and just open up the borders. People can go and live wherever they want mm. to live. What's wrong mm. with that? That's what the lib. That's what the libertarians want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm debating one in the parliament in a um, couple of weeks. And, uh, so uh, the, uh, libertarianism is the laziest of all ideologies. Uh, and, and when when you extend its sort of fundamental, uh, that's what libertarians essentially would believe in: small government, therefore no borders, and people just move around seamlessly. The anarchists actually think this now. They say the anarchists actually believe on the left. They're sort of like the libertarians on the. The anarchists actually they're the, they're, the, they're like the the the, the libertarians, right? um, the anarchists. The left, they actually believe that the fundamental failure of globalism is that we don't have open borders, and that we that that globalism should be encouraging these things. So, if you wanted to live in Western Canada, you just go there and just move there, and uh, and that also means that Palestinians and Syrians and Iraqis and people from Pakistan, people from Sri Lanka, they can say, "Well, we would like to go to Australia." So, um, yes, uh, that's just another way of looking at it. Uh, TV or YouTube, Piers Morgan. Oh, I've got a little bit. I don't know if I can say too much about it. Okay. Uh, left uh, the new a few weeks ago, and now he's working on um, uh, talk TV, which he claims is an unsent. Uh, and, um, and, and it's just going direct to, to YouTube. Yeah, it was going through um, Talk TV's outlets, and now it's just going to go straight to YouTube. Yeah, sorry, yes. So, so uh, um, there are some. I, I look. I won't go into it. No, we'll, we'll just stick with. <laughs> there are some issues around all of that, but uh, but I won't go into them. Right now. Um, uh, he cannot possibly expect his 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 audience to. That's. In terms of people sitting and watching him, right? They see a lot of peers t- turn up on Instagram, and of course, they can go and watch the ch- and uh, on YouTube, and and they will rack up the numbers. So he might have millions of viewers, but they're not contemporary, uh, contemporaneous. Um, uh, we really we, for example. To, to, to sort of give it, give listeners a, a, an idea of the size, um, uh, we had uh, I think two hundred million people had looked at least some of the Tucker Carlson interview. Or uh, um, uh, so uh, there are big numbers of very few, very few of those would have listened through um, uh, uh, Vladimir's one-hour history lesson. I can tell you. Oh, I think it was a good. I, I, I couldn't bear it myself. I read the transcript. Um, <clears throat> the first forty minutes was grueling. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it was it was not good. So, off to the uh, wonderful wacky world 
of social media broadcast. Um, do you think it'll work for him? The real will come. At the moment, um, just about every prominent politician or, or, or public figure in the world wants to go on his show. And there's a reason why they do is because he really does have audience reach. Um, uh, he and, does, and, yeah. and, no and, and, and the people who are deciding whether they go on these understand audience better than um, If they keep doing it, it will, that will show us work. If they stop doing it, it'll show us that it hasn't worked. Yeah. The other thing about that, if, if you're actually saying, saying, you know, if you are one of these high-profile guests and you're looking at going, do I really just want to be on YouTube? I'd prefer to be on a yep. network. He's, so he's, he, he may not have that pull. We'll see. We'll see how but it the, goes. There are a few in the background um, relating to his uh, – of uh, the Daily uh, Mail, going back some uh, Daily Mirror. Um, uh, mirror, I'm sorry. Yes, I was going to say Mirror. I get, I get them confused. A Daily Mirror. There may be some issues that arise from there, but I won't say too much more about that. Um, uh, now, moving over to uh, Australia, had uh, the Australian T20 side had a last ball. Uh, very exciting biz, uh, uh, stuff. I was not. I'm not a huge fan of Tim David, but by gee, did a good job. It's not one of the things that does bug me a little bit about him is his feet as good as I would expect to be. Um, but um, but he did do the did do the business tonight. New Zealand at the uh, the Wellington Oval there they um, they put on uh, and uh, Australia overpowered them. Good knock from uh, Mitch Marr. and uh, the other skipper was playing as well. Jack um, uh, Pat Cummins. Uh, probably the pick of the bowlers, but the, well, there's some pretty lamentable bowling figures if you're conceding more than 10. Um, but, uh, but a good win, um, and there's two more games to play there. Then the test match, the two match, the two tests start in Berlin. I neglected very ba- very sadly, very badly to, uh, but, uh, as uh, women's test team had a resounding victory over the South. Uh, one by an innings and plenty, um, <coughs> and uh, and of course I did watch. Gee, I watched a fair bit of it uh, in uh, England at Rashcott, and um, it's been written up as a horrible failing of of baseball. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know that it was there at all. Uh, it, firstly, India bowling better. That's that's the that's. The thing. India's bowling was just bad. Just, just, um, Boomer is such a bowler, such a bowler. He knocked over a with with big yorkers, uh cool deep the the um, wrong and bowler. He, um, he uh, took a couple of wickets in 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 the space of an over. Um, knocked over Duckett, who'd made a good hundred, and uh, knocked over the rather hapless uh, Johnny. Uh, a couple of balls. Uh, their bowling was very, very good, and 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 England's batting wasn't great. By the time it came down to Basball in the uh, in England's second inning, which they had to chase, I think five hundred. I'm going to say five hundred and thirty. Um, and uh, well, they were all out for over. And Jack, they made them about two runs and over. <laughs> 
Yes, and, and, and in fact, in, knocked him over about fifty overs. And in fact, uh, India's uh, faster right in their second innings. Um, um, and that featured, I don't know how much of the innings you saw, but that was uh, the wonderful uh, young emerging player, uh, well, uh, who's now got a, a couple of double tons. For, um, and, and, and the blo- and he was and just the- he was he, he he basically had the bowlers, you know, whoever was bowling, he was hitting them out of the park. And and his um, teammate uh, Safar, uh, who oh, he looks good too, doesn't he? He's ready made all he rounder. Got, he barbecued um, uh, um, uh, in the first innings when uh, Jadaya looking for a um, looking single to get his hundred. Um, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, it was and, yeah, uh, he would have. He was well on track for a for a maiden hundred. But uh, knocked up a good uh, a good sixty in the second. Um, by this stage, Joswell, Joswell, who is a beautiful, bat, he is belting the uh, England slow bowlers. And and uh, let's be honest about this: England slow bowlers are just emerging. You've got Jack Lee, you've got three young bowlers, got about ten tests, and they are going to learn, and they are going to, and they're going to probably learn the hard way in a lot of. A lot of occasions. That's just the way it goes. Um, they'll learn, from it, but but um, they were getting absolutely spanked. Jimmy Anderson got a bit got a bit of a touch up too. Um, and, and there must be days when he looks at this and goes, oh, "Gee, I am forty. Maybe I should uh, 41, isn't he? Like maybe uh, hang uh, hang the boots up." Uh, they were well short. Uh, they go to the fourth test, uh, as you said. Not one of the not none of the major cities are hosting. Um, but uh, no shortage of attention and some very good. I'd have to say the silliest comment I heard from all of that was Ben Duckett, who said, I should get some crack. He made a good home himself. I think we deserve some credit for the way Jay's added. You know, that we we play this aggressive style and he did that too. He said, Mate, he got a couple of hundred. He got, he got 200 and he was belting your ballers, right? Like, you, there was no one with any answer. Uh, <clears throat> no one with any answer at all. And it was like, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you really got to the nub of the problem there, there, champion. And and vying for the award for silliest comment was uh, was Ben Stokes, who said, "Oh, you know, going to be going to be a bit of a problem with the DRS, and if it's going to hit the stumps, it should be." Forget the umpire's call and all this. Okay, yeah, all right. You might have a point, and it's a it's a conversation we can have. But the playing conditions for this series are such that there is an umpire call. I don't know how you how you would not have an umpire's call, Jack. How would you not have an umpire's call on a DRS? Uh, well, I'm I'm old fashioned about this. I think the DRS should be get rid of the most egregious uh, errors, and that's about it. But what's the fun? A fundamental thing, cricket. Yeah, it, You've got to appeal, mm. and then the umpire's got to deliberate. So you will, if I and, and the umpire's got to make a yes or no or out, out on an LB. That's the that's that's what brings in umpires. Otherwise, you'll have an appeal, and then everyone will huddle around and decide if they're going to do this because the umpire won't be able to make a decision. Mm. It's really silly. I don't see you can do it that way. Do I do understand that if it's going to hit the out, but that you're also got to take into account the technology is not always, perfect. and so there needs to be a little uh, little bit of compromise. There was a, um, there was a last six, na- six nations match, uh, a rugby match in, um, uh, in at Murrayfield, 
um, um, a week or so ago, um, where the Scots bought a try. Oh, I saw um, that, and um, and it looked a bit like a try on the television, but it's a question of the ball grounded or held up, and that with all the cameras, it's really hard to pick that. And they yeah. and they went with the referee. You'll think, well, that's fine. Oh. No one else. I mean, you'd ask you or me, but but yep. the bloke who's right there, three metres away, is probably yep. the one to ask. Yep. Um, quick, uh, quick touch on uh, drug laws, Jack. Uh, I noticed this has got quite serious at Melbourne now. Uh, it's Josh Smith, isn't it? Sean's uh, uh, son. I just jo- I know Josh could be Josh. Joel, Joel. Yeah. Um, and um, as part of the. Um, uh, part of the, the apparently uh, uh, the the anti drug authority has has found a, a number of texts where he's texting teammates, and they're talking about this. This is not the criminal definition, of course, but they refer to this as tr- uh, Jack, um, and uh, that's the that's the anti drug authority. They refer to this as as, as tricking. Um, that might just about be the end of his career, wouldn't it? It, it may. It shouldn't. Um, um, yeah, I agree with that. Funda- fundamentally, I, I have a problem with AFL players um, uh, having a bit of cocaine or a bit of toot. Yes, I know it's illegal, um, but, I, but but you know I, I don't have a problem with friends in the financial services industry doing it either. And, and I think we should treat it the same way. Unless they're using this um, uh, to get through a tough final or to uh, make them run a bit better, I think we, the mm. AFL should stay out of it. That's the problem. That's the problem because you can use uh, drugs, amphetamine-based drugs, uh, to enhance training, um, enhance um, um, uh, ability to stay on the ground for as long as you mm. can, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's the, that's the bit of a problem there. But that's not the way the AFL sees no. it. Uh, we'll give you three strikes in a round. Come up with this rather absurd pop. Uh, yeah, uh, we do hope that the um, uh, and his mates uh, you know, sort of recover. Um, very amusing story. Just to wrap us up, you might have something else, Jack. But uh, I just I was delighted by the way the Americans looked at the sa- satellite or even drone shots of the MCG for Swift and wondered where all the car parks <laughs> because most stadia in the United States, big ones. They're out. They're out of town. You know, you you got a cat or a, or a pretty expensive Uber. Uh, or, or or they do what they call tailgating. A couple of hours earlier, and um, uh, you fire up the barbecue on the at the back of the vehicle and all that sort of stuff. Right? Which is yeah. which is. Oh, they do a little bit at the G. Used to do a lot of it at the old Arctic yeah. Park VFL Park. Used to do a yeah, bit well, of that. Well, 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 yeah. When this became a thing, um, the, when, when the Taylor Swift concerts and, at the MCG were so big, people were looking at the satellite and saying, well, where's the car parking? And, and, and um, someone's quickly come back with a, with a photograph of AFL Park, Arctic Park out there in Waverley, with, uh, um, uh, and, and, someone's, and someone's put at the bottom of this, yes, we tried that. <laughs> was, I noticed it was rather... Odd it was a terrible report on this in the Sydney Morning. Um, that uh, they 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 said, well, there's it, it's Flinders Street, uh, a short walk away, and yeah, yeah, Jolly Mod stations like a drop kick. You know, it's it's basically 500 metres, and Richmond 
station is probably about 800 metres around. Uh, a tram, bit of a walk a, to a the tram street. Line. You've got tram lines going through the sporting thing. Um, you'd be mad to drive to the ground unless you absolutely um, you'd be mad. <laughs> you'd be mad to drive because uh, it's well serviced by transport. Sydney Cricket Ground perhaps not so much, um, but it, like the MCS, is a sports arena right in the middle of, a, you know, a, a bustling city. i got a confession to make. Uh, for a long time in the um, and, and 90s, um, when I was going to the MCG, I had to, if I wanted to drive, I would in the back of Parliament House. Uh, and, and walk through oh, the garden. And the reason I could do that was I had a John Kane for um, uh, sticker on the car. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is in the days of um, uh, uh, security. I just used to wave to the guys on the gate and they kind of presumed I was a, um, a state government MP. And up there, you know, so uh, it was my you city so car park. Jack, uh, you, you wear your privilege on your sleeve. The, uh, yes, I don't think you'd get away with it. No. Days. It's probably worth uh, Look, I think both our fathers were absolute champions at getting you in the ground when you didn't get yes, uh, Getting yes. you actually into the stadium. Never mind the car park. Yeah. They get you in there. They just just let this one. And uh, the, the blokes in the blue, they used to have these blue laboratory coats. Yeah, they, they and did. And they're just, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> My father was pretty good at it. Your father was Olympic and Commonwealth. And those <laughs> listeners who don't know. The number of times I was shuffled through the turnstiles without a ticket. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, just let him through. And, 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 um, and, and, yeah, I know this one, and they'd, they'd, they'd spot the they'd spot the bloke. I know that one. I don't. I don't. This one's not going to work. This one. So they'd know the blokes that they were. So, so and, and, I learned all sorts of rorts that way. True of it is that your father was um, studying phys ed at the time of the nineties. Um, he was uh, uh, the, the phys ed students were used press runners to take the from the journalists at the MCG up to the teleprinters Old Herald industry. That's a fair run. Yeah. Um, and running backwards and forwards during all this day. Uh, and and I, I know that um, uh, he took um, his sister and uh, and his sister-in-law, which is my mother, uh, uh, um, uh, into the MCG and got them in the same way um, uh, for the Olympics. <laughs> and, and, and that, that the was Olympics. the start of a long and illustrious career of getting people into so. Well, he, he, I don't think he's a reigning world champion. They did like just to wrap up very quickly. But he he was born in uh, or he came from um, um, a way, and um, and he used to, uh, I don't think he was a member, uh, but he would be in the members and, and he'd be there every grand final for about fifteen years, and then he jumped the fence as a siren blow, and then he'd be in amongst the throng of players congratulating him. And, and if you look at a lot of premiership photos immediately after the game, you'll oh, see he's there. Bloke. And there he is embracing people who <laughs> embracing it. And every now and then the team has to look at, who the, who the hell is this? Uh, do, do, do you remember the days when the MCC had a medallion rather than a photo um, yeah. uh, cut? Um, there was a Catholic priest of my acquaintance um, uh, who had a medallion for a long, long time. Um, and he's the check every year and um, send it off. Um, yeah, it was just as well because the bloke who owned the medallion had been dead for 
time. In fact, if I checked their records, he'd have been about 106 when the Catholic priest was still using the medallion to get it to the ground. Uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, uh, look, that takes us out uh, for this week. And two jacks, we've run over time, but that was because we were having a little bit of a, mem- a walk down memory lane there uh, in, uh, in, in, in footy and games uh, generally at the, at the MPG. Um We want to thank uh, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Um, and we just want to remind you, we do have some uh, do have some comments backed up this uh, from from uh, from from the so uh, where we where we put through um, uh, neck in next week's show and that's a reminder to you all uh, I believe you can still get hold of me on my DMs um, if you can't uh, hit me up at the conditional release program at gmail.com happy to uh, ha- happen to take your feedback of any des- description or uh, you can hit up Jack on his Substack, Jack. Uh, Hongkongjack.substack.com. And uh, Ross Nielsen did that and he found an email address, which is jackhoisted at hotmail.com. Uh, 